For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. You're listening to The Kelly Green Show. E-A-T-L-E-S-E-O-S! This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Bunch of underdogs. And you know what an underdog is? It's a hungry dog. Hungry dogs run faster. And that's Here's your host, Football Kelly. Welcome back to the Kelly Green Show. I am your host, Football Kelly. Nearly 26,000 Eagles fans got to enjoy the players in action at open practice Sunday night at the link. My guest today knows a lot about the latest and the greatest with the 2021 Eagles team and hosts his own live show about Philly sports throughout the week. Mark Farsetta is from the Farsi Show with Mark Farsetta. Mark, how are you doing? I am doing fantastic, Kelly. How are you doing today? And uh, thank you for uh, putting that extra stank. You gave it the the authentic. My my family would be so proud. The authentic farsetta, that kind of stank <laughs> on it with the with the s sound. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, I'm going for the authenticity in this show. That's <laughs> that's my goal here. You when, know? when I when I see the name Kelly, you know what I think? I think authentic Italian pronunciation. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love it, man. All right, we're all excited about this team. Fans are dying for uh, some football action. How excited are you for a football game that involves the Eagles, even if it's just preseason? <laughs> I'm always excited for it. I love it. I, I, I look forward to the preseason. I know I'm in the minority with that, but uh, I know everyone talks about a dress rehearsal in the second or third preseason game. And again, only three preseason games this year uh, for those playing not in the not playing in the Hall of Fame game. But I look forward to it. I, I want to see the guys uh, towards the end of the bench that might get that opportunity to start later on in the season, like an Alex Singleton, for instance. I mean, who would have thought that that guy would be returning a touchdown, an interception for a touchdown on Sunday Night Football last year and being a star of that game and then all of a sudden becoming the Eagles' leading tackler? I, I love that idea. I love being able to watch these guys, scout them out as much as we can, especially, again, only with the limited three preseason games now. I look forward to it. I look forward to the storylines. And quite frankly, I just look forward to football. As vanilla and uh, watered down as it might be in the preseason, it's still football. And I, I, like, I, I love me some football. So I definitely I, look forward to it. Absolutely. I'm with you, and a lot of Philadelphia fans are with you, too. 26,000 fans at the stadium last night when I was there, and it just felt like electric, like being back in the stadium, one, on top of, you know, not being there for games last year. Um, And then on top of that, just the excitement of this fresh start we get to start over from last year. Obviously not a good season for the team, but 
a lot of organizational changes, a lot of roster changes. Uh, so there's a fresh feeling of excitement in this fan base. I'm curious. Uh, we saw, you know, the staff and some players rocking awesome shirts, highlighting Harold Carmichael's overdue induction into the Hall of Fame at the open practice. Sirianni seems to be wearing, you know, player-related shirts like BG and Miles Sanders and whoever else he's uh, kind of trying to give some support to during the, the week. It's kind of interesting to see that because he's actually wearing a lot of players that are on the roster currently. What, if anything, do you think says that says about the culture he's trying to create in Philadelphia? I think it says, I got you. I think it says, hey, you know, you're, you're a player on my team. I'm going to support you. I'm going to wear this shirt. I'm going to show how much I support you by wearing it. I'm a friendly guy. He's not going to – he's not the guy that, like, overdresses for the job where it's almost right. like, all right, that guy's a little overzealous. Like, he's not afraid of that T-shirt. He's not just going to wear the Eagles pullover and the Eagles T-shirt. He's going to wear player-specific stuff. And if you're a player, you got to love that. you got to think that's that's funny. you got to think that that's very supportive of you as a player. I, I love it. I mean, a lot of guys thought, especially watching uh, Nick Sirianni's opening press conference, that guy was going to be too uptight, going to be too nervous. And he has shown exactly the opposite throughout these practices, throughout 10 training camp sessions at the time we, uh, we have this conversation, uh, obviously with the most recent one now being at the link. I think it shows that the guy is not afraid to have fun and not afraid to have the players have fun. I think he introduces a relaxed atmosphere where these guys are not going to be too uptight. They're going to be relaxed and they're just going to go out there and enjoy the game that they love playing. I think it sends a great message. And I also think it, uh, I also think that him wearing some of the t-shirts of guys, like he's not wearing a Devonte Smith shirt. You know what I mean? Right. Like a guy that was just drafted. He's wearing a guy that's been here for a while and Miles Sanders or Jason Kelsey, or, you know, what was it? The, the, the fourth down t-shirt I saw him in the other day. I, I just yeah. think it, it projects a very fun type of persona. It, 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 I think it projects a type of persona that the players can go talk to. They don't have to feel like they're walking on eggshells the entire time. Uh, but with all that being said, I, you can have that as your number one trait, personality trait, as I think Nick Sirianni does. But at the same time, if you're watching a practice like you were a week ago and it wasn't going well, you're going to put a stop to the practice. You're going to push pause on that practice and gather everyone together and not necessarily read them the riot act, but at least acknowledge, hey, right now is a bad practice. We're not having a good practice. Let's change that and let this be the moment that it starts to change. So I, I just think it, it he allows himself the vulnerability, I think, in wearing the shirt and then having fun going up to a guy like Miles Sanders and quoting his high school alma mater, like that type of thing, like he did early on. I think it was an OTAs. I think that's a really wild thing. And I think players know that they can have fun with this guy, but also know that he's going to be fun but fair with how they're yeah. acting. He's going to hold people accountable at the same time. We've definitely seen a duality to uh, the Nick Sirianni offseason. He is fun, energetic, uh, definitely a player's coach from what we've seen so far. But then, as you were saying, he kind of drops the hammer on people if they're not paying attention to the details. And uh, and that seems to be what the word was from Colts fans that I was speaking to about who this guy was. They said he's really tough in practice on guys that are making mental mistakes or not following the directions or instructions of the coaches. So definitely seeing uh, the harder side of Sirianni kind of kick into gear as we get closer and closer to games. And I think Eagles fans should be excited about that really head on addressing of issues uh, because maybe it was too lax in teams because 
you know, we felt comfortable with uh, the head coach being, you know, the Super Bowl champion and everybody was just kind of letting guys, you know, make mistakes and we'll, we'll, you know, address those issues in the film study later on as that was the approach. Sirianni seems to say, no, as soon as I see a problem, I'm stopping things. I'm giving you uh, instructions. I'm making sure you in the moment know what you did wrong. Um, and then, you know, proceeding forward to try to address any kind of issues. It definitely seems like he's been giving those wide receivers in that room a lot of attention since that's his background. And you'd love to see development of these players. That seems to be what was lacking in, in past years. Oh, certainly. And I think that's the biggest thing that Nick Sirianni has in front of him, other than winning football games, of course, it's player development. And there seems to be a lot of focus on that. And I think that's where pausing the practice certainly comes into play, correcting the mistakes right there. I mean, you go even go back to the Chip Kelly days. Things weren't corrected on the football field. Things were corrected later in film study. And I know a lot of football players that don't learn too much from film study. They learn by being on the football field and going through the motions of everything. That's how they correct their mistakes. And I think in today's day and age where you're barely tackling, you're barely having contact drills in practice, and you're barely practicing tackling, getting that opportunity because you're barely in pads anymore. Uh, I think when it comes to those little things, you have to correct them on the football field. Yeah, Fundamental on football, the spot, in that moment, tackling. because – I think I learned that way too, is like, if I'm doing something at work, you want to be able to feel like, oh, well, why was I doing it this way? Shouldn't I be doing it this way? You're learning yeah. on the job. And and that's what, you know, being a person who is more of an athlete probably relates to versus having to do it in like a student atmosphere of film study. So I definitely see where we could see some translation on the field to more growth for some of these players, especially Certainly. younger guys. Absolutely. I, I, I agree hundred percent. So uh, we've heard a little bit about one of the younger guys struggling from time to time in training camp. Uh, Jalen hurts has gotten a lot of critics uh, up in arms about what they don't expect from him as the quarterback one. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, as far as his struggles in training camp so far? Yeah. Like how much weight do you put into struggling in a, a training camp atmosphere. Well, he is, this is his first season entering as a starting quarterback. If he even does enter the season as a starting quarterback uh, last year, I would certainly grade a lot of the stuff that he does uh, on a curve. Cause if there's any year to grade a quarterback on a curve, it would have been last year, a rookie quarterback that is on a curve would have been last year. We don't have training camp. You don't have preseason. And it's, it's more or less, again, learning more in the classroom than you are on the football field. And that's what Jalen Hurst went through last year. Uh, and then he was kind of thrown into it uh, late uh, in the season when Carson Wentz was eventually benched, and we all saw what happened there. Uh, I don't put too much weight into it. I am going to wait till I actually see Jalen Hurts in a football game, in a preseason game, to see what he can do there. I have confidence that he can be a starting quarterback in the NFL. I think I've seen enough from him to tell me that he can at least play. There's a couple of things you you do as a rookie, and I think the most important thing to just let people know that you can play in the league. All you have to do as a rookie is just let people know that you belong. And I think he definitely belongs at the NFL level. There was never a moment where I thought he looked like he was too small for the moment or the moment was too big for him. I think he rose to many occasions, and it just came to the instance of needing to improve his skill set. And I think he does have an NFL-caliber starting quarterback skill set. So as far as any struggles in training camp go, everybody's learning this new process here. And installs are just starting. I think it's going to take a while for him to settle into the role. 
and I don't think it can be ignored that everything he is doing, he's looking over his shoulder and he could say whatever he wants in press conferences as far as being above the conversation with uh, Deshaun Watson. He could say whatever he wants as far as that goes. But the reality is nobody wants to do a job where they're constantly looking over their shoulder at who the boss really likes and who the boss really likes right now is Deshaun Watson. So you can have all the confidence in the world and you could say to the media all you want. Yeah, I don't care. I'm above it. But you, everyone knows what's going on, and you're included in that if you're Jalen Hurts. So I think if you're Jalen Hurts right now, you just have to kind of let it fly, man. And I know accuracy was a problem for him last year. We'll see if that improves as training camp goes on. We'll see if that improves when games actually start in the preseason. We'll see if that improves week one if he is the starting quarterback of this football team if they don't go anywhere else. But right now, that's his job. And it's his job until he's told otherwise. Uh, So no matter what, he's just got to focus on the task at hand, which is completing passes, being more accurate, not relying on his legs as much as he has been. I mean, Nick Sirianni talked about it yesterday in his press conference after practice or or before practice where he was talking about how the offense won a play based on Jalen Hurts' scrambling ability and how Jonathan Gannon said to Nick Sirianni, hey, how was that a win for the offense when we got the pressure? And Nick Sirianni said, well, because my quarterback was able to buy time with his legs. you got to be able to prepare for that, especially in today's NFL. Quarterbacks buying times with, with, with their leg, buying time with their legs. And, you know, Gannon, I think, just finally accepted that. But uh, you can't be heavily reliant on that if you're Jalen Hurts. you got to be able – to drop back, complete the easy pass when it's a more West Coast style offense, and then also when it's a read option play, like they ran a lot of apparently yesterday at practice at the length, uh, you got to be able to break that loose as well. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that there's still so much more time for him to develop his chemistry with all the players on the team. Um, so even if you want to be hy- hypercritical of the mistakes that he is making in practice, there's not too much that you can say at this moment to say, he's not going to be the guy or he shouldn't be the guy Uh, give the guy some uh, opportunities. And um, until he's not the guy, whether it's in a trade for another player, otherwise I would like to see the fan base embrace this opportunity for him. He's certainly trying his hardest. He's certainly putting in work this off season. And uh, we've seen the cycle of quarterbacks go over time. So if we could just, you know, stick to one guy for a while, that would be, fantastic in my opinion (laughs) it it absolutely would a lot of Hertz jerseys at the stadium last night whether they were wearing number two or number one the stadium was full of them so definitely some excitement around quarterback (laughs) even if there are some critics for him uh otherwise the uh one segment I do on my podcast is the Kelly Green lightning round it is quick (laughs) questions and quick answers just fun way to break things up with my guests are you ready, Mark? Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's fire. Sure. All right. Why do you think Ertz dyed his hair? <laughs> well, I think it's obvious he's going to be in a boy band. I wasn't supposed <laughs> to report that news, but no, he's going to be in a 90s boy band recreation, a 90s cover boy band. You can catch him at the Ocean Drive down Sea Isle soon, so <laughs> don't miss that. That's amazing. No, I have no idea. I don't know why anyone does that. As a bald man, when I see someone dye their hair, I think, what are you doing? Anyway, um, but uh, no. You might just uh, be trying to stand out like a peacock, you know, like just, you know, I'm here. Yeah, right, he's peacocking around down there, absolutely. You couldn't miss him on the field last night, for sure. Uh, (laughs) Even recent events, as a Philly sports guy, do you think the Phillies have what it takes to win their division? Hells yeah. Absolutely, they have what it takes. Right now, you're looking at if Aaron Nola can just be halfway decent 
Like, unlike what he was in the first half of the season, if he can be just halfway decent, which he's been in his last two starts or so, uh, the Phillies are winning the division because you got Zach Wheeler, who's just been dominant. Now you got Kyle Amazing. Gibson at the trade deadline, who's been great. Uh, you have Ian Kennedy as your closer now, so you have at least someone who knows how to fill that closer role. And then you also have, like I said, at least a halfway decent Aaron Nola with a healthy lineup. Let's get on oh, MVP, by the way. Yes. And, and my, my point on my show this morning was uh, that it all comes down to Joe Girardi. Under Pete McCannon, under Gabe Kapler, uh, even the latter latter years of Charlie Manuel here in Philadelphia, they've had good – they played good baseball up until the middle of August. And then all of a sudden, things blow up in their face. Joe Girardi has to avoid that mid-August face-blowing-up-in moment uh, and be able to make sure they keep this winning going throughout the rest of the season and make the playoffs. Yeah, it was a beautiful thing when I was coming into the open practice and you just see the crowd of people coming over from the Phillies game to go to the link. It was it was just a pure Philadelphia sports moment that I really enjoyed to to witness uh, in person for a, once in a while. I mean, I feel like I've been on lockdown for such a long time, but everybody's just excited to get out, enjoy sports. And if your team's doing well, there's nothing better than that. How no stuck? All right. How much stock do you put into a player, you know, being like the GOAT of preseason? Uh, if they play really well on, and they're on my team, uh, they're going to the Hall of Fame. If they play yeah. really well on somebody else's team, they suck and they're just getting lucky in the preseason. And no one's <laughs> planning anyway. Uh, no, th- th- all I look for, again, like when Carson Wentz played his rookie year, and remember he, he, he fractured his rib, I think it was his first preseason right. game. The only thing I looked at for his first, whatever it was, court, two quarters he was in, was look like you belong. Like, look like you belong. Don't have happy feet. Look poised in the pocket. Hit your passes. If it's a timing route, hit them on time. That's all I look for. Look like you belong. It's the only stock I put in. Uh, a guy's athleticism. If you're a running back, the ability to make guys miss. If you're a wide receiver, the ability to get off the line of scrimmage. I honestly look at a preseason game when I'm watching the offense of the Eagles or the defense of the Eagles, I take away the the, the opponent. I don't look at who they're playing against unless it's somebody that's been injured and looking for reps again. Like if it's a more veteran type of player, whoever it might be, and there's going to reps, maybe I'll look at it then. But usually I just make one half of the football disappear because all I really care about is how the offense is moving the football, how precise your quarterback is being or lack thereof. And whether or not rookies like um, whoever it might be out there, like uh, Devontae Smith, uh, if he looks like he belongs. If he looks like he's way too small for the moment, yeah, guess what? I'm not impressed. And he's got a lot of growing to do. Uh, the example that jumps to mind is anytime I watch Kevin Kevin Cobb, when he was quarterback of the Eagles, there were plenty of times where the moment looked way too big for him. And I thought, yeah, I don't know about this guy. And whether that was garbage time against the Lions his uh, first year in the league with McNabb still being here and they blew him out opening day, or that be later in the season when I'm watching him dink and dunk down the football field, that's that's a guy that looked like he didn't belong. Uh, when I look at a guy like uh, Jalen Hurts, I want to see that he belongs. He showed me that last year. I want to continue seeing that. I want to see that from Devontae Smith this year. I want to see it from uh, who is the rookie running back uh, whose name is Gabe McGaywell. I want to watch that guy look like he belongs. Just look like he belongs. That's all the stock I put into it. I I definitely bought stock on Sam Bradford after that one preseason preseason game. <laughs> so I'm with yeah. you. Uh, sometimes you bite too soon on a guy that maybe looks great in that moment, and then regular season comes around and defenses start to get to hit a little bit harder, and um, it gets more interesting. Certainly. Uh, how do you feel about players 
wearing numbers, whatever numbers they want at this point. We have Slay in two, Nelson in three. You know, Hurts is obviously in one. I think he could have he could have worn one regardless. Um, <laughs> what do you make of players wearing whatever number they want? I don't. I honestly, I saw when this story came out. I, I just always remember when I was a little kid and I was first being exposed to football because football was probably the last sport in my house that I really got into because we were a baseball basketball household and we were hockey fans. Like we never played hockey. Nobody in my family played hockey, but we just always really liked the flyers. And my dad, when I first got into the business, the the most excited people that he was like the the people that I met that he was most excited about. One was Harry Callis and the other was like Bob the hound Kelly. So like that just shows you like kind of what was in, in, you know, uh, importance order of importance. And then football was just kind of there. We didn't grow up a huge football family. But as I started like playing Madden and stuff and I'm trying to create my own players and I'd create like a wide receiver, I always wanted to give them a different number. And I couldn't give them that number because I was like, why the hell are these numbers restricted in football? From that time, I was like 10 years old to now being almost 40. I still never got why players couldn't wear certain numbers. I just always thought that was stupid. I understand the reasoning behind it. It's explained to me. I get it. But I know it's still stupid to me. So now anybody (laughs) can wear any number. That's fine. I don't care. And sooner or later, I mean, if you're a quarterback in the NFL and Tom Brady, greatest quarterback I've ever seen, right? Tom Brady was bitching and moaning about it simply because he wasn't going to be able to identify the Mike linebacker. Are you serious? (laughs) I I think you can figure it out there, Tom Brady. Uh, He's he's uh, an old man, Mark. Hard for him. Yeah, right. Where all middle linebackers are just going to wear the number one right now, so Tom Brady can't see it. Um, (laughs) So, so like that's like to me, I just always thought it was dumb. I don't. I think it's a cool thing because I know a lot of players from college. They want to keep that same number, and that's fine. I don't care about this. I I I I find it funny that that it upset Tom Brady of all people, but that's who it upset. And I don't, I honestly, I, I, it's going to be weird at first, just because it's something we haven't seen before at the NFL level. It's almost like having a marching band going across the field at the NFL level. It's so, it's so college, but I'm, I'm fine with it. I don't, this isn't something that really registered much on my radar. Fair enough. All right. One more for you on the lightning round. Fill in the blanks. If the Eagles blank, they could blank this season. (laughs) It's like crazy Mad Libs for you. It really is crazy Mad Libs. And of course, uh, being someone that grew up in this area, uh, I fill in those blanks with bad words. Um, (laughs) If the Eagles don't suck, then they could win more this season. No, um, I I honestly (laughs) think if the the Eagles. Okay, let me just say this, get this out of the way, because we're talking football predictions. And I feel like you always have to give this disclaimer. Stay healthy. I'm assuming people stay healthy. All right. If Miles Sanders has multiple 20 carry games, not touches, carry games this season, the Eagles will be a playoff team. Oh, wow. How about that? Uh, How's that grab you? How's that grab you, Kelly? It's a fantastic uh, film (laughs) moment. All (laughs) right. So thank you so much for humoring me with the Kelly Green lightning round. I'm sorry, my my answers were longer than lightning. They were. It's that's all right. It's usually pretty long, actually. <laughs> For the listeners, they're used to the Kelly Green lightning around being like traffic, you know. On, on seventy six, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I hate when you when I tee up a, a guest and I'm like, hey, in ten seconds or less, tell me if you think that you, like if I if I know I've gone over to, like if I tell someone I'm going to have them on for like ten minutes, let's say. And I notice it's like 11 minutes. The interview has been going on and I, I want to get one more question in, but I want to make sure I don't waste their time either. And I'm respecting their time. I'll say, Hey, 10 seconds or less. Just tell me if you like Jalen hurts, you know, whatever, just general question. And uh, then they Five go on for two later. minutes. 
Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, no, I was I was trying to do you a favor. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, so the lightning round, and I'm I tend to be long winded. Go for no you. worries. That's what that's what I like in my guests. They're long winded and they're like <laughs> me. They they're passionate about their answers. So yeah, sure, 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 sure. Donations in there too. I haven't really gotten to discuss the Eagles secondary much uh, so far this offseason just because we were waiting on what they were going to do at CB2. They signed Steven Nelson. Uh, we still need some clarity on McCoy's availability at safety starting the season. Uh, the Eagles obviously struggled to get interceptions last year. How are you feeling about the secondary with the, the current situation? Uh it is an interesting thing. I, I am a little concerned about it. I mean, I like Darius Slay. I mean, let's let's get the obvious out of the way. I like Darius Slay. I like bringing in Nelson. I think Harris is going to be a good addition as well in, in your secondary. Um, they needed they needed to upgrade, and I feel like they did that at the very last minute um, at the cornerback position. And when I look at some of the guys uh, on this list, I, I remember Craig James broke up that play in the end zone. I believe it was against Green Bay two years ago, so that was a great thing to see. Uh, one of the best stories so far of training camp has been the rookie, uh, Zach McPherson, and what he's been able to bring to the table. And it seems like right now, if the Eagles didn't go out there and make the addition uh, at cornerback uh, like they did so late in train or so late in the offseason, if they didn't bring in Steven Nelson, Zach McPherson is most likely starting opposite of Darius Slay. So when you think about Avante Maddox being him being moved back to the uh, his more comfortable corner position of you know playing on the inside and not playing on the outside. Think about Zach McPherson. You think about Steven Nelson. You think about Darius Slay. Cornerback-wise, I think you're in good shape. And then, like I said, adding to the safety position in a guy that you can have a little bit more confidence in than, say, last year by bringing in a guy like Anthony Harris, I, I think you're actually going to be in good shape. But what, what, what you're going to have to do here is wait for all this to gel. Under a new right. defensive coordinator with new players, and he also brought in some guys that are more familiar with this system. Uh, I think you're going to have some guys in here that are going to take a minute to gel. And I know people hate that, but like a guy like Zach Wilson before that, or excuse me, Eric Wilson, who played under Jonathan Gannon, I think he's going to be the guy to help install a lot of the philosophies here. But it's going to take a minute for this defense to come together because other than the defensive line, a lot of these guys defensively speaking, linebacker, corner, safety, really haven't played much together. So it's going to take a minute before the, all this comes together. But as far as the secondary goes, I think the minute that those guys all come together and kind of learn each other's tendencies and learn how to play defense together, I think this defense is going to do some good things and maybe take that football away than uh, more so than what we have seen in recent years. Yeah, and it's, it was interesting to see um, the beat reporters saying that um, they've seen the defense do 3-4. Uh, in front of that secondary a couple of times so far this offseason. So whether Gannon is going to be doing a hybrid of, you know, 3-4, 4-3, give the offense difference, defensive looks that are, you know, deceiving, that can also hopefully help the uh, younger guys uh, and maybe the struggles uh, get masked a little bit because mm -hmm. our strength on our defense uh in my opinion, has to be that D-line and and what they've been able to uh, add to what they already had going on up front. Yeah, I think you're going to see, and, and hopefully it's a different result because I in no way, shape, or form, are bringing, I'm not bringing this name up out of praise. I'm only bringing it up as a uh, systematic comparison. Um, under Chip Kelly and Billy Davis, the defensive coordinator under Chip Kelly, the Eagles 
were on paper as a 3-4 defense, when in actuality they played a 3-4 under, which is a lot more similar to a 4-3. Um, so I think schematically speaking, and only schematically speaking, in terms of what you're going to see on the field with how they set up, I think you're going to see a more similar defense. Yeah, like, well, Technically, I think it'll be a 4-3, but it might be more of that 3-4 uh, under, which can be confused easily for a 4-3. So I think you're going to be seeing, uh, yeah, that hybrid that you mentioned, but more of a technical term, I think you're going to be seeing a little bit more of that 3-4 under. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting just to see these uh these young guys come in and hopefully be able to uh, make an impact on the D line and uh you know McPherson obviously getting a lot of praise from uh, those who have seen him in practices and training camp so far. So definitely hope to see you know the growing pains not be too long during the process, but. Uh, get themselves a, a, accustomed to the new style, the new defense that Gannon's bringing in, and definitely hope that we get the ball back for our offense and able to stop some of these high volume, um, you know, passing uh, offenses that we're we're seeing in the NFL today. Mm-hmm. Who is yeah, player, absolutely. Who is a player that you feel deserves more playing time than people currently expect this coming season? <sighs> I mean, I, I think as far as touches, like I said, I think Miles Sanders, I think I think Miles Sanders is one of the most talented running backs in the NFL. And I think it's a crime that he's been underutilized the entire time under Doug Peterson. And I like Doug Peterson. I'm not one of those people to scream from the mountaintop that Doug didn't know how to call plays. I think a lot of that was Carson Wentz changing things. But I want to see Miles Sanders highlighted more than what we have seen. Uh, Jordan Mylod is one of the guys that jumps to mind because I know there's supposedly a position battle. Well, there is a position battle, even though Jordan Mylod seems to right now be running away with the left tackle position of the uh, of the Eagles, which is great. He's an easy guy to root for if you get a chance to talk to him, meet him, whatever. He's a great guy, easy to root for, wasn't playing football four years ago, and then all of a sudden the guy's most likely going to be your starting left tackle for the foreseeable future. That's something I want to see. Um, I, Osman is a guy I'm really rooting for, Joe Osman. It seems like whenever you talk to any starter on the Eagles about something they're doing to get ready for an opponent, especially on the defensive side of the football, Joe Osman's a name that always comes up in terms of running scout team. Uh, He's a guy you can root for. You want to see him get more work, but that's more of a reward for a guy that just works his ass off. Um, If Zach McPherson is your starting corner opposite Darius Slay, that guy has really put in work, really put in work. And I would absolutely root, root for that to happen because he was, what, a fourth-round pick? He comes out here and takes a starting role, which is possible, not likely, but very possible. I- I'd love to see that happen. Sean Bradley, another linebacker, uh, in my own personal bias, a Temple guy, love to see him get more reps. But really what it comes down to is, far as a guy getting used a lot more than what I saw under Doug Peterson's offense, it, it's Miles Sanders 100%. That's the guy I want to see get a lot more touches and be a, a, a more a bigger focal point in this offense. And when he spoke about the, the screen game two weeks ago, about how it's going to be implemented more and they're going to run it cleaner this year under Nick Sirianni and his offense, hey, man, I'm hoping you're right. I'm rooting for you. I love that. Uh, we're definitely hoping to see the Eagles establish the run and keep it going throughout the game. Definitely think that that would be an improvement on what they were doing last year in the offense. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Mark. I really appreciate your time and insight into this team as fans are looking forward to the football season. Will you please take a minute to talk a little bit about what your show has going on and how they can check you out? 
Uh, you can check me out real easy, farzyshow.com. Uh, it's a YouTube show, digital media. Uh, I'm on, uh, obviously, I stole my Periscope on uh, Twitter. So we get a lot of our views through Periscope. And also YouTube, we went over a thousand subscribers. Show's only been around. We hit a thousand subscribers in our fourth month, I want to say now. So uh, we've been having a lot of fun. I've been having a lot of fun. And I obviously had a, a nice radio career for myself. And then I was also working in TV. I did a little show called the 700 Level Show when I was at NBC Sports Philadelphia. And I thought if I could combine the fun of that show with the fun of radio and do it, you know, an hour every day, uh, I'd be you know living a happy life. And so far, I am living a very very happy life doing it. It's it's nothing but fun. And uh, we, yeah, we're, we drop a new episode, as we say in the digital media world. Uh, we drop a new episode uh, every day, Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. And it's available for content consumption throughout the day. Our most recent episode uh, came out Monday morning. Uh, Greg Murphy, uh, Philly's pre and post game host for uh, 94 WIP. He was on the show. A lot of people know and love Murph. So we were talking some Phillies baseball, about the first place Phillies. Every Tuesday morning, Hugh Douglas joins the show. Good friend of mine, a former colleague of mine. He joins the show for what we like to call Hugh's Day Tuesdays on the Farsi Show. And uh, Hugh and I like to go back and forth regarding the Philadelphia Eagles past and present. And he also, who he works in Atlanta now. Uh, Hugh does. So he gives us a lot of insight on the Eagles week one opponent, the uh, the Atlanta Falcons. So that's what we got coming up on uh, this week's Farzee show. And we have a, a different guest every day for the most part. So we uh, we like to enjoy our time uh, with that guest every day. I love Hour what you guys show. are doing over there. A lot of fun. Definitely check it out, uh, listeners. And be sure to uh, follow Mark on Twitter. Where What's your handle, Mark? It's very uh, creative. So stay try to stay with me. At... Mark Farzetta. Boom. Uh, see? At Mark Farzetta. It's Mark with a C. That's the only thing that might throw people off a little bit. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much again for coming on to the show today. That's all we have time for. Please go subscri- subscribe to the Eagles Unfiltered podcast for future episodes of the Kelly Green Show. And fly, Eagles, fly. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.